This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. Uh, RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're going to get married to Russian royalty and bang our way to the top as we watch Ooh. spine number 109 of the Criterion Collection, Joseph von Strenberg's The Scarlet Empress from 1934. But first, RJ... Hmm. Uh, long time no speak. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've done anything other than what I've been doing the last little while. Mm-hmm. Killing my my soul, I guess is what you could say. Yeah. Uh, in case yeah. people didn't notice, uh, a couple nights ago, we recorded a behemoth of an episode. The uh, longest ever, I uh, believe. Well, I, don't, I think there's a ghoul school longer than that. By no, come on. I, I think really? There might, I think there might be. I think there was wow, one, yeah, we're losers. We are. Uh, yeah, for for no particular reason, we recorded a Ghoul School special here six months out from Halloween, covering uh, mm-hmm. Charles Band's uh, Full Moon Entertainment opus, uh, mm-hmm. stretching back from like the goddamn 80s all through the 90s, that those 2000s. Mm-hmm. It, it was a lot of madness, RJ. There was a lot of pain and tears as mm-hmm. you... Uh, covered your experience of watching puppet masters one through 12 um but i I think after spending like three and a half hours talking about it talking Mm -hmm. and i mean i I watched a whole bunch of full moon movies that um are the less said the better uh i don't know i think we'll help help each other cope with the that uh, experience that we Mm -hmm. imposed on ourselves i think i may have helped you cope a little bit but you did nothing for me you did nothing to help heal my, lick my wounds. I'm a broken man because of what we did. I still think it's your fault, to be honest. But um, <laughs> I should you, never you, have spent that five dollars on that nine pack at Walmart. Yeah, like I don't know, man. I didn't want to do it, but I did it, and now it's like I said, I'm a changed man. I don't think I'm ever going to watch movies again. For one, at least, uh, at least those, not the same way. Not well. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I I watched all those puppet masters. I watched one through nine in a single day, and it was. I'm I'm guessing anyone who's listening to this probably didn't listen to Ghoul School, the four hour long epic. Because why would you? Because it's puppet master. But give it a shot, and then you can be miserable like me. Indeed. You know. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But hey, we we've, we've got that record of that time and place in our lives when we had nothing else better to do but not only watch like 30 plus uh very okay at best movies but mm-hmm. also spend three and a half hours talking about them at length and uploading it online to uh the applause of dozens well that will immortalize us like that is our legacy it is and it's it's kind of sad to be known for the guy who be known as the guy who watched all those puppet master movies in a day. But you know, if that's uh, my cross to bear, I'll, I'll, I'll wear it proudly. It's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So far at this point we have uh, zero response to that episode. So great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's uh honestly, that's better than I thought we would have. I thought we'd have probably negative yeah. numbers on that bad boy, but <laughs> we'd uh, have, the listeners would be dying. Yeah, well, you know what? If people don't want to listen to it, maybe it's a good thing we we junked it all into one episode because 
if not, we would have just been talking about it now, and then people would have had to have listened to yep. it. So it's probably we probably did them a favor. Yeah, I did s- you a favor. Yeah, there you go. R- RJ's considerate man. Yeah, I did you guys a favor, especially because we watched over thirty some movies, and we picked out I think six that are actually worth watching. So. Hey, that's not bad. And we're not saying we just like watched 30 movies between the two of us. No, we liked watched like 28 to 30 movies a piece. And there's a little bit of crossover yeah. there. And, uh, oh, man. Yeah, there's about six good ones. I got to say, it feels good to have my life back a little bit here. Um, go, you know, go for walks outside, breathe fresh air. Not feel the crushing guilt or crushing. See, I can't even talk now. It's how broken I am. The crushing guilt of not watching a movie one night. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of pressure to try to keep up to that pace. Get two or three in a night. <sighs> well, we have real problems. We do. Yeah. Uh, thanks, podcast, and thank you, commu- mm-hmm. thank you, podcast community listeners. We appreciate you. Hey, RJ, what what you been creeping on the last two days? Uh, Nothing. I'm not watching movies anymore. Okay. (laughs) I told you. I am completely broken from Puppet Master, so I didn't watch a single thing. That's not true. That's not true. I did watch one thing, but it's not really a movie. Well, you you watched that stand-up that, like, I've literally seen about six other people watch it in the Mm -hmm. last day as well. Yeah, but I ain't no poser, because if you remember... If you go back to whatever episode we recorded last June, um, that is comedian John Mulaney. And Andrea and I went to see that bad boy. Uh, shoot. Yeah, last June, I guess. Uh, and this is the very, this stand up that's on Netflix now is the very one that we saw him touring uh, last year. Uh, it's called Kid, Kid Gorgeous. Um, <clears throat> I think I've talked before. I think John Mulaney is like super funny. Uh, he's Andrea's favorite comedian and uh he has very relatable nice funny things uh but he's not afraid to stick to you he's a real real man you know so uh yeah the his netflix came out yesterday and it was from his tour that he did for over a year of kid gorgeous the recording is in new york i believe at radio city uh wherever that is um uh, might be so, Chicago. Might be Chicago. I thought it was Chicago too, but he mentioned New York a couple times, so mm. I think it was in New York. Okay. Uh, but no, I've so that was a new experience for me for us because uh, we actually saw his stand up, and then we watching it, we we're like, I wonder what it's going to be like, like how much of what we saw will be in there. Right. I remember because, you mentioning that. Yes. Yeah, and uh, actually, so now I can say, um, it it was actually quite a bit different. I would say maybe fifty percent only is there was crossover so i think during that tour he found the stuff that yeah. like really landed the best and then when he went to record that one he just kind of put it all there um so there were some good ones there were there were a few jokes that we actually thought were funnier in the live set that weren't included in the netflix one so that's kind of a bummer and then there were a few that uh <clears throat> having heard them already and and like and so we'll we'll rewatch stand up quite a bit. Like his other two are really really good, and we've rewatched them a bunch. And even though you know the punchline, they're still funny. Uh, this one, some of the things that were being repeated, we were kind of like, eh, okay. But I think it's because we thought it was really funny when it happened, and we've been talking to each other about it for about a year now, saying the punchlines. So took a little bit of the magic out. But uh, no, it's very good. Uh, I think his other one is better. Um, he has the comeback kid and new in town. I think both of those are really good. This one's good too, but I think those other two are better. 
And yes, Radio Studio is in New York. I'm thinking of Music Box in Chicago. Of course you are. These of places course. I've never actually physically been to, these buildings. So uh, yeah. they're all just America. Yeah. Uh, so no, it was pretty good. That's all I watched. Hey, did I ever tell you about when we watched Mark Maron's Netflix special? Yes. And uh, he had the same joke as John Mulaney? Yes. So that joke wasn't in the Netflix special. Nice. And I tweeted them once, and uh, I still never got a an answer to whose joke that actually is. Ooh. So we'll never know. Yeah, I mean, they just dropped it. They, they ne- neither one acknowledged it. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if you know this, but I have like 150 followers on Twitter, so I'm a pretty big fish. Ooh. So I feel like. I feel like they would have acknowledged me. They wouldn't have yeah. just, you know, completely ignored. Uh, blown you off. Yeah. You yeah, being like exactly. probably like the 50th person to like tweet to them about that. it. And yeah. they, they all think they arrived at this thing as, as their own hey, idea. People want to know, man. People want to know what the deal is. Whose joke is that? Who stole from who? Indeed. Any, anyway, so yeah, that's it. Uh, but I think you did some heavy lifting. I did. I wound up uh, just continuing on watching more fucking movies. Nice. So uh, after watching Dr. Mordred, uh, the, mm-hmm. the Charles Band film, uh, which was just a total Dr. Strange knockoff, I decided mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the source. I'm going to okay. dig down deep, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start watching these Dr. Strange movies because RJ, I'm not sure if yeah. you're aware of this, but you were because you follow my letterbox. Uh, there is two Doctor Strange movies. One from 1978, a television mm-hmm. movie, and the already like two-year-old Doctor Strange with Benedict Cumberbatch. Hmm. I wasn't aware, and uh, I hardly care. There you are. Well, uh, have you watched any of those like 70s uh, Marvel movies? Are you, I've uh, seen bits of the like, uh, like Fantastic in, in Gif Four. Four. Well, see, that's like that's the Corman one from like. Whatever, but 90. everyone knows that now because of Arrested Development. Oh yeah, that, that, that's a whole thing in there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, but, but yeah, you. I mean, you have grown up now in an age where there's only been superhero movies, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there was mm-hmm. a period of time when I was a young lad where it's like you took what you got, and mm-hmm. uh, that was like settling for uh, Bill Bixby, Incredible Hulk TV movies that were released on tape. Getting those out from yeah. Blockbuster, the uh, old 60s, 70s uh, animated cartoons, and I use the mm-hmm. term animated loosely. Uh, and yeah, Captain America with, uh, God damn, who's, it's, actually it's Albert Pion, another uh, director we recently yeah. discussed. In uh, the ghoul school. So yeah, but there was a Doctor Strange TV movie. Uh, that right. came out in 1978. I'd never actually seen it. I, I don't think there was really any way of legitimately seeing it for a very long time. And I think Universal mm-hmm. popped it out there like uh, around the time that this last Doctor Strange movie came out just to capitalize. People, mm-hmm. you know, they got that nostalgia, checking it out. If you scan the letterbox reviews, there's a lot of talk about porn stashes because uh, nice. the people who are watching this are people who just pretty much watch Marvel Universe movies, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's all they want. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I was watching this in the context of like, I love 70s TV movies. Mm-hmm. And this movie, the first like three minutes are awesome. <laughs> like, it's like, what is this? Like, is this like some like unearthed classic that's like ne- needs to be watched by people? And then really it comes clear why no one gives a crap about it. But like the music and this like, uh, hilariously overwrought, very Stan Lee-ish comic book text about just 
like cosmic evils and unknowns and like standing against it and stuff like that with this like rumbling synth score that's like like very mm-hmm. electronic it's like what is this and it starts on this like alien planet almost kind of like invasion of the body snatchers from the 70s and it's um jessica walter of uh arrested development uh oh. so she's morgan lafay uh and she's having a discussion with like some great cosmic evil puppet uh that looks really cool Puppet. Yep. He's a he's a he's a he's a some sort of demon, but it's it's very clearly a puppet. But it looks rad. Oh it's god! Lit, it's lit real cool, and he's just giving her commands of what she what evil she can rot on the earthly domain, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all about taking out the ancient one, who's just this like old dude hanging out on Earth in New York City. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's very like kind of basic sort of stuff where. It's kind of like a, it's a shitty retelling of the Doctor Strange origin where like, so Doctor St- so Stephen Strange, he's just a surgeon mm-hmm. and the, the, I can't remember the name of the guy playing him, but he's just like the biggest dork, but like bad kind of fro, like fro mustache and just like his expressions are just like, like who is this guy? Why did they cast him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he, like he kind of, he just looks so dated. Like he is a product <laughs> of his era and right. uh, he just gets like, tied up into this whole storyline and trained to be the mystic now who defends the world against these sort of cosmic evils. Uh, Hmm. But so, I mean, really when it's not like kind of doing this like cool cosmic evil stuff with crazy synths that are constantly blaring and murder attempts on the ancient one, uh, it's just like, feels like a seventies hospital drama. Like from like, is that cool? No, it's it's boring. You zone out. You wait uh-huh. for something cool to happen. It's like it just kind of runs around in a circle. Uh, there's no Stan Lee cameo. Sadly, uh, he was mm. a consultant on this way back when. Of course. But yeah, there's a there's a reason why no one really cares about this or talks about it outside of a few cool, kind of neat little elements. Because uh, there's like some like very like psychedelic bits here and there that are like mm-hmm. if you cut those all out and just watch those, it would be fine. But yeah, the, the the rest of the movie is just a whole lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. But then, RJ, I watched uh, Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange, which Ooh, was on Netflix. Um, I remember when this trailer came out, and it was like, whoa, look at all this Christopher Nolan-esque stuff with cityscapes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I... <sighs> I went in with this, like, not really having any, ex- any expectations other than, like, my history with these Marvel movies is usually just complete indifference to just annoyance with the way that these movies are always made because mm-hmm. uh, they've hit this formula of, like, making this perfect peplum where it's just movies. And, like, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't. We want everyone to be able to enjoy this movie. But there's a certain types of people they don't give a fuck about, like me. Uh, people who really love, uh-huh. like, movies and uh, film as a concept rather than just, like, an entertainment vehicle. They don't Are you ca- saying that the director isn't a filmmaker? Because I believe... Scott Derrickson. Sc- Scott Derrickson has uh, Hellraiser 5 as a credit. Yeah, he's he's made some very mediocre movies. Uh, at yes, best, he has. some sinisters and shit. Uh, mm-hmm. Could care less about him. He's just a guy whose name was attached to this movie that they were going to make no matter what. Sure uh, was. So he, good for him. He got that paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this movie, like I said, uh, one of the big fatal flaws here with Doctor Strange as a concept is I, I think the origin story for Doctor Strange kind of sucks. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's definitely one of my least favorite 
uh, origin tales. And I mean, it's not like it's been overtold like a Spider-Man or a Batman origin. Yeah. It's just like, doesn't really make sense. And this movie like seems to frame the character of Stephen Strange as being a bad dude because he's mm-hmm. talented and ambitious. These are apparently bad things to be in the, the, well, the Marvel world. Jared, they aim for mediocrity. If you're not right in the middle, you got a problem, man. You don't want to stand out. That is the core value, I think, of all these movies. And they're like, the, yeah. way, they're, the way they're made, the audience they want, and like they even judge old Doctor Strange for being this way. Yeah, um, don't stand out. Don't go against the grain. Yeah. What, why, why, why are you acting this way, doctor? It's like, it's like, he's, he's pissed off because you guys fucked up his hand. Like, <laughs> he's like, he's, he's fucking angry about it. And like, he's like, he just goes downhill real fast and like runs out of money real fast. And, uh, yeah, anyway, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I, I, I never got the sense that like anything he was doing was like a just desserts kind of thing. Like in the comics, it's so brief and like the characters are just like so shorthand that, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. This movie, what we, we got a uh, Mads it's Mikkelsen. A good show. We got Mads Mikkelsen. He's busting com- out hot jokes. Com- completely does nothing in these. Okay, so this is my least favorite thing going on with these Marvel movies and the way people talk about them is they talk about mm-hmm. the villains, how good the villains are in the movies. Like it's always, oh, this is like the worst villain in these movies. That's he's a really good one, and every time mm-hmm. it's like this is the best one yet. This is the best one yet. Oh, and this one sucks. This is the best one yet, and it's always like who gives a shit. Like shut the fuck up. Talk like adults. Stop, like, well, like, there are, no, everyone is the most ambitious yet, and that's a. I think that's a, a a way of saying it's like it's not really good, but we can say it's ambitious, and then we can give it a five star because they're trying. You'll notice now too that I say it. everyone has the best new villain yet. Everyone is the most ambitious one yet. Like it's all the same stuff over and over again, and it's always for about a week. And, yeah, and then people stop caring. Um, yeah, yeah, because like no one talks about this movie anymore. No, not at all. Like people, people talked about it a lot when it came out because it was different. It like, is oh, like, okay. So it's not your grandma's Doctor Strange. Yeah. So okay, I'm sure it's really surprising from my tone talking about this, but uh, I think this movie's lousy. Uh, yeah. I think it's like definitely one of the weaker of these movies that I've watched. Um, and like part like. One of the worst, ex- like I, I rank that first Avengers movie pretty low, but that was also because it was a theatrical experience, and I will be probably harsher on a movie in the theater. Watching this at home, I was just like groaning constantly at things. So the big thing that this movie was promoted on was like the the, the in camera effects uh, and like all the, the like the, the the Christopher Nolan from Inception kind of stuff that they were aping and throwing in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stuff like is meaningless in this. Like it's just characters staring at one another, kind of like matrixing around each other, and it turns into a sh- just it's just like a crappy kung fu movie, like a really bad martial arts movie. Uh, and it's like this whole idea that uh, all these mystics are like they're like they're like the Avengers deal with the, the physical threats in the material world. We deal with the the spiritual, <laughs> and it's like the whole movie is just fight scenes. It's just people punching mm-hmm. each other. It's it's so dumb. Um, it just yeah, but the the boss battle is like totally different and unique from every other boss battle. You know what? It kind of it it is, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like the best part of the movie, but mm-hmm. it's not even done as well as it could have been done. No, nope. uh, it's it's just like it's so quick. And you're like, sky oh. villain. 
Yeah, sky. <clears throat> yeah, Dormanu, the sky face. Uh, mm-hmm. we, it's like it's like. Oh, well, that was a kind of a clever thing. I see people point that point to that, and I'm like, yeah, it's probably the best part of the movie. I mean, but it's it's not even done great. Um, yeah, like that's that's supposed to be like the big heroic moment, and I'm glad that they at least like have heroic moments in superhero movies where somebody does something selfish, selfless. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why, like that one scene in uh, Captain America: First Avenger, when he throws himself on the grenade, I think is like awesome. I think that's like that's like yeah. that's like that perfectly captures. Uh, I, I heard Tommy Lee Jones did that improv. That was a live grenade. <sighs> okay, <laughs> I don't even know what that. Like, what? <laughs> Anyways, yeah. mm-hmm. um, keep going. No, it's fine. Doctor Strange so, uh, is lousy. Uh, the effect, the cape jokes suck. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 this is my reminder that these movies are not for me. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was, when I went to it, I saw it in the theater and I was like, it's fine. And I was like, there was something I really didn't like though. I think it, was, it had something to do with the slingling rings and it was about basically how that breaks everything. It's like, well, they can do anything now. If you have, if you can create a portal into anything, you can do anything like, you know, you can turn back time. You can turn back time. You can do anything, which is seems to be the big problem everyone has with this new big hot one. But uh, we'll see about that, I guess. Yeah. So what are you going to watch next? Age of Ultron? No, I'm not watching anymore. I'm d- I don't care. Watch them all. No. Oh, Tonight. maybe like next year. I'll uh, watch another one, another installment and be like, yep, that wasn't very good either. Watch them all tonight. No. All right. Well, did you watch anything else? Well... Uh, following up from that full moon episode, I did watch mm-hmm. uh, another full moon production, uh, Vampire Journals, which is part Ooh. of the the subspecies uh, franchise. Oh, nice! I just read how this was actually a a good entry, and uh, I kind of went in with like kind of high expectations for some reason. And no, this was not good at all. Uh, this was some real interview with a vampire light. Uh, that sounds awesome. No, but it's like in the way that like when people really read uh, Anne Rice books and then they decide I can do that too. And so it's just lots of like long haired, pretty vampires longing uh-huh. for their mortality and, uh, oh, I, I must feed, but I feel horrible about it. But I must stop the bad ones that don't feel bad about it. Oh, we're in Romania. Oh, mm. oh, oh, life, blah, blah, blah. It's like one of those types of things. It started off right. with a lot of promise. And I was like, well, this is like, not bad. This feels like very directed video, but at least it seems to have a little bit of ambition, just like those Marvel movies do. But it just keeps going and uh-huh. going and going, and you're just like, "Yep, no, this is this doesn't have any radu." Oh uh, man! So who cares about these vampire journals? But apparently, it introduces characters that will show up again in subspecies four, which I'll get around to watching one of these days. When you watch uh, the next Marvel movie, yeah, next year at the earliest okay. uh so i watched an rj pick oh really and what did you watch i watched nightmare sisters Ooh, girl so if anyone did skip the ghoul school you'll miss uh that hot rundown i had on nightmare sisters but uh why don't you bring it back for us well uh so there was a movie called it's sorority babes at in the slime ball bolorama yes uh david uh Dakota uh, directed Dakota. and uh, this this was the movie he made while making that movie in like four days yeah there is a lot of stationary camera work yeah uh, there it's like got these three screen, screen queens most notably uh, Ola Linnea Quigley 
Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't know. This it's basically as you described this movie. Uh, it's about three nerd girls who are just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. three like actresses dressed up at, kind of as nerd girls, but like yep. they don't do a great job of disguising that. No, they're like not really goofy looking at all. They're. They I thought the glasses. Michelle Bauer was uh, covered up good. They gave her just a fat suit. Which, like, I didn't even read that way, because when you look at her face, yeah. like, she's clearly not fat. Like, and, Well, they had her eating Doritos all the time, too, yeah. so clearly well, she wasn't a uh, super babe. Yeah, they, they don't get into the, they, they get into that fat shaming. I was like, which one are they talking about? I, I just, yeah. Anyway, Any, so yeah. so these girls, they're they're the losers in their sorority, and they want to hang out with some boys that they've, uh, one of the girls has had a date with before, but they never, they never made it. So uh, she, they make a phone call to the fraternity where a couple of other nerds, who, and these guys actually do look like geeky dudes. Just yeah, the guys are nerds. Real, real, real Melvins, which is like one of those Ooh. things about uh, move about movies. It's like it's really hard to like make actresses look like nerdy women because they generally yeah. don't get that into that line of work where they are. But you can find dorky dudes real easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're part of a fraternity. Uh, there's a lot of. Uh, homophobia on display from their fellow frat oh. members who uh man i i nothing nothing makes me burst out laughing more than like really rancid 80s 90s uh sexual, sexual preference uh <clears throat> issues um yep. slanders and stuff like that because in movies like they, there's like no like oh you shouldn't be saying that like it's just mm-hmm. like it's it's totally cool to be saying what, what are you queering off in here I thought that was re- so they do drop some pretty hard Fs oh, yeah. but uh, I thought the one who was like what are you queering queering out down there or queering off on the floor there I thought that was funny I was like what does that mean queering out uh, yeah that, that whole exchange is uh, yep. pretty pretty golden mm-hmm. uh, so yeah the movie just falls uh, these guys want to get together but frat brothers are mean to them and make them like lock them in saying you can't do that otherwise you get kicked <laughs> out <laughs> but they sneak out they trick them and they go mm-hmm. hanging out and uh, one thing leads to another. Uh, someone, the, the, the girls get possessed by a succubus, mm-hmm. and uh, mayhem ensues. Uh, people get turned to ash, and there's like a very long bathtub scene, which I was reading about that apparently mm-hmm. uh, was cut out. And but it's like the, the heralded thing. That's like what everyone was getting that nightmare sisters out about it was because they wanted to see that bathtub scene where all it's these like girls 10 are. Minutes long. It, it is. Yeah, pretty close to that. Yeah. Um. So my, I've got a, a bone to pick with you, RJ. Why? Uh, because I, I don't think you know what soft core means. Because, uh, uh, is that bathtub scene not soft core? No. It's just three girls in a tub for ten minutes washing each other's bodies. Yeah, but it's like not sex like so yeah i guess all you, right you, whatever you, you, yeah you have to you have to really brush well, up on your uh, pornography and your your, your your classifications rj that's what i'm telling you're, you you're the resident pervert here so i'll take your word for it in my nice little world this is the roughest porn i've ever seen so uh <laughs> well if, if you're saying that it doesn't qualify that's fine I don't need to see the normal softcore ones. Okay, and then and then boy, you wait till you watch a hardcore or some of that Gonzo stuff. Boy, how I, I have uh, the safe safe search on all my stuff. Oh, then you're I don't pr- get any nudity. You're protected. 
I am I am well protected on the internet. It's yeah. that real life stuff you got to watch out for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Nightmare mm-hmm. Sisters. Uh, it's a nice, decent little uh, '80s kind of throwback movie that's got that that corny dialogue that like everyone's kind uh-huh. of like in on. Uh, I, I can see people. It, it's it feels like an '80s comedy just with like yeah. a little bit of horror elements. It's not even like gory. I don't think in the least. No. Oh, um, I. It's not. I was gonna say the intro is kind of cool. When uh, after the guy's head gets ripped off, when uh, the title card where it's like really fast music and it's like bah, 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 coming at your head, mm-hmm. people could see what I was doing with my hand there. But uh, yeah, yeah, Nightmare Sister is pretty cool. Are you gonna watch uh, Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bowl Rama? Uh, next in a year maybe. I don't know. Sometime next Creeptober. It's it seems like everyone likes Nightmare Sisters better. So why would I wa- why would I take a step back? It is back? better. Yeah. yeah. We well, it's like so why why, why would I watch it? Picture Nightmare Sisters, but with 80% less nudity. Hmm. I, I don't know if I want to live in that world. Yeah, neither did I. That's why I was bummed out. Because I watched Nightmare first, and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, this slime ball bolorama is going to be the be the real thing. And it wasn't. So, hmm. anyways, Nightmare uh, Sisters is cool. Yeah. I'm uh, glad you liked it. Yeah, I, it was, I liked it. It was good. Nice, fun little movie. Uh, I also watched uh, The Maze. And this this is like, oh, God, 1954. Uh, it is just this like little black and white movie. I think it just it just came out on Blu-ray in 3D from <gasps> Kino Lorber. Um, mm-hmm. It's just on YouTube as well. Uh, so oh. this is a movie uh, on paper. It sounds pretty damn cool. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. Lovecrafty kind of sounding. Uh, it's about a like old mansion that's been held by this family for generations, and mm-hmm. it's got this big maze right next to it. And there's this kind of like thing that happens to family members, uh, and they're like locked up and nobody ever sees them and stuff like that. Uh, and some younger member has just kind of been invited back into the fold to take care of an uncle who's seemingly passed away. And then he's like rapidly aged and like looks all ragged now. His like fiance mm-hmm. is trying to figure out what's going on. So I mean, it, it plays out kind of like just as like a old haunted house type of movie. Yeah. Uh, the thing I'd read going into it is that it has a ridiculous ending, uh, mm-hmm. which I will now spoil for you because this movie is well, like nobody cares half a century old. So yeah. So this movie's got like a lot of potential. Uh, it's done. Mm-hmm. It's It's super cheap. Uh, it's actually directed by. Oh, is it William Cameron McKenzie, the guy who directed uh, that Invaders from Mars movie that we watched uh, a few months ago? The fifties one. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a cool show. I like that. Well, do you remember like it had some like really odd camera work where like you'd have a nah, lot. You, I don't you, notice you, stuff like you'd that. You'd have a lot of like space above characters, and then people would be at the bottom framed, and you're just kind of like, that's not how you would shoot that. Why is this movie so empty and kind of weird? Mm-hmm. Um, well, in, in that movie, you could argue, well, it's because it's from a child's perspective, and the world seems bigger when you're a child. Sure. Mm-hmm. So this movie, there's just scenes where, like, a character is just, like, totally, like, almost not in frame, and they're, like, looking at you, and but they're also, like, looking off at the, the cue cards with the script, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, like, scenes that are, like, why is this even in the movie? Just, like, cut this out. Do some, like, uh, dialogue over some footage. Like, why, are we, why does she need to address us and make us aware that we're watching a movie? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, the movie just like your typical like what's going on? What's what's the payoff to this movie? Uh, people going into mazes. What's inside the maze? People are warned not to go into the maze. People when they're like 
when they go to sleep in this place, the doors are locked and you're locked into your room. You can't wander at night because of fear of what might happen to you. It's been like that forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So the payoff is that uh, uncle that has seemingly passed on or whatever, he's a giant frog. Uh, Excuse me? He's a giant frog man. He's a man kind of in a frog suit. Uh, He doesn't croak. He bellows like an elephant. Like it's a uh-huh. screechy animal sound, um, and you're like, okay. oh, and so because there's this explanation that uh, in when when we're uh, embryonic, RJ, and you can tell me if the science here holds up. We we go through all steps of evolution. We start as invertebrates, <laughs> and then we move into amphibian, and then reptile, and we make our way up till we're mammals. And, uh, uh, and so what happened was in th- this particular genetic uh, hole, uh, we have. Um, uh, uh, he's stuck. He, he was stopped at the amphibian stage mm-hmm. and he's just lived this way ever since. And he's like got a human mind. He's got a personality that we never got to see because mm-hmm. stupid fiance, when she stumbled across uh, the, the, the frog man, uh, who's, it's just a frog. It's just a jar, large frog. He's not like mm-hmm. man-like. He's not like, he doesn't look cool at all. He's just a frog who bellows. Uh, he was startled and he ran away ashamed and he killed himself <laughs> by jumping off a building. What? That's how the movie ends with the fr- this Dude frog man. Himself? He just jumps off the top of the the, the giant mansion thing. And, and we, we have a whole scene at the end, very uh, psycho esque, uh, where everything's explained in a nice neat package. Like, well, you see, you just startled him. I mean, he was if he would have been fine if if you had like not like freaked out and frightened him. It's like, oh, what? yeah. I believe Leonard Malton uh, re- referred to the ending as ludicrous because the whole movie is like it's just like. Kind of like you, I guess you'd say atmospheric, kind of slow burn. Mm-hmm. And when I had first read something about amphibious ancestors, I'm like, ooh, like Innsmouth, like uh, like deep ones type of stuff. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Uh-huh. Oh no, he's just a fucking frog. Well, that is how humans do develop. Yeah. Frankly, you're a chud for not knowing that. As an amphibian, uh, as it, you literally, it's like, oh, you, you go to the amphibian phase, and then you just stop. And that's what happens. You just well, you, yeah, you I, start out as an amoeba, and then you're a slug, and I, then you're I, a frog. I, I, I get the, I get the, uh, the fact that someone looked at a chart at one point and went, yeah, that's kind of like what it looks like, but that's not, but no, mm-hmm. that's that's some soft science right there. Soft core science. Yeah. Hmm. Uh. It's going to take me a while to unpack all this that you just laid out for uh, the maze. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I wish it were better. Like, it's got, on, yeah. on paper, this idea of this, like, maze, and people aren't allowed in it. And I'm like, ooh, that's an old, old, like, descendants and stuff like that and, like, genetic deprivation. And all this, all this sounds great. But no, no, it's just like, oh. It, yeah. Movie. Lazy stuff. Very cheap. Uh, I, I really am curious how the 3D worked because like mm-hmm. nothing in this jumped out at me as very 3D-y. Um, there were some fake-ass bats that show up on one boy oh, in yeah. the corridor. But I don't know. Like I'm kind of on board with it. I like this whole evolutionary frog thing. I think that's pretty cool. I'm, I really like that. But I, I'm with the old Leonard Malton there. That, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like You ever tried to spook a frog? It's not easy. They're not gonna, just going to jump out of a building because they get startled by some lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know about that one, Jerry. Doesn't uh, doesn't hold up. That one doesn't hold water. Yeah, there's not some, on my end. I think there's also some line about him, like yeah, he he sleeps on a bed of algae instead of a bed and pillows. And, well, and, and yeah, where else is he gonna sleep? He's a frog man. 
Jeez. But yeah, some people just don't get it. Hey, yeah, that frog suit you see, it's like yeah, it's a guy having to like act like a frog doing uh <laughs> and and that Andy Circus thing. Nice. Uh, I that's kind of cool. I know you just said it was bad, but it still sounds cool to me. It's not bad. It's just disappointing. If we make a remake now, do you think we could do better? I 100% think so. Okay, get your VHS recorder, and uh, we're, I'll get the bathtub full. Call Michelle Bauer and the other Nightmare Sisters, and we'll make this frog movie. Well, I, I mean, Andrea's out of town. There's nothing that can, nothing can stop us now. You call your back page or whatever you always talk about on this podcast, and we'll get it going. Well, RJ, you got you to stay current. Uh, back page got taken down. Well, how would I know? <laughs> I told, you know? I literally told you on the podcast. Some some astute fan out there. When will you pay attention to me? Hardly ever. I don't know. It's about eight thirty right now. Yeah, it's fine. Who's fault did, did, did you did you catch that joke? No. Oh, okay. Someone out there might have caught that. Okay. It was a funny joke. Okay, Jarrett. Yeah, it was but a funny when, joke. When are you going to listen to me? Yeah. Yeah. It's about eight thirty. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Anyway, hey RJ, you, you, you got up? you got any news for us? I got some hot news. Get this. From Variety.com, Sandra Bullock's stalker found dead after standoff with police. This was in the news today, Jarrett. Mm -hmm. Uh, A man who was stalking Sandra Bullock has died from self-inflicted wounds. Awesome. Uh, I can't believe that's news. But anyways, hey, did you hear that uh, DC unveiled this new online subscription thing where they're going to put a bunch of TV shows? Like Titans... And well, the the big one, of course, is yeah. Swamp Thing, produced by Mr. James Wan, creepy mm. puppet himself. He should have been on our uh, Puppet Master episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah, James Wan, the uh, that guy everyone loves, is going to do it. And uh, he was on Twitter today. He said they've been working on it a long time. Someone said, "Is it going to have horror elements?" And he said, "I think it's probably 100% horror, which it should be." So. Pretty cool. Who do you think they're going to cast a Swamp Thing? Ron Perlman? That would be... There you go. Done. With completely prosthetics and no CGI? Uh, I don't know. I don't care. Again... Was that... Yeah. We, 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 we step back here. Okay. Again, what? this is all vaporware until these things actually manifest. I don't, they, I don't, had a, they have a graphic made up already for it. You know what's real? What? Uh, James Gunn told a podcaster who spoiled Infinity War... Uh, you're going to die alone. <laughs> I just read that. That made me laugh. I think James Gunn needs to settle down. He, he, I saw him going off on other people. He gets wor- he gets worked up about stuff. He's he gets hot. Yeah. yeah, he was coming in hot. He was like talking about something else. He was like, "Oh, this is so stupid." It's like, dude, you getting mad about it is worse than what they're doing. Just chill out. Mm-hmm. Don't be a nerd. Yeah. Nobody. Can- Everybody knows how Infinity War ends. Everybody. It's not a secret. Marvel just literally spoiled it themselves. I I would argue uh, with their ad campaign promoting their that Infinity Countdown, whatever the fuck it's called, series. Yeah. I won't get into it on here because I don't want to die alone and have James Gunn <laughs> mad at me. Um, well, I'm going with Ham Meat tomorrow, so we'll talk about it next week and we'll do a full spoiler. That's two weeks removed. Yeah, that sounds good. I think anyone that like, I mean, I, there was like at the comic book store the other day, there was people yeah. like just openly talking about it. And I'm like, well, I think everyone's right online. Something happens. And it's like, uh-huh. Something happens in every movie in theory. Well, 
all all I see is that hot meme. The uh, I don't feel so well, and then turn to dust. That's fucking everywhere. So even if you like don't care, like it doesn't matter, and you still like you have no involvement at all. You could probably figure out what that means. I did. <laughs> I did. I'm I'm totally going in to hate watch this thing. I'm awesome. gonna hate hate yeah. this thing hard. Everything I hear about it just makes me dislike it more and more. So, but RJ, I've heard Thanos is the best Marvel villain yet. Did you also hear that this is the most ambitious Marvel movie yet? I have heard that finally Marvel has earned its universe. Oh my god. You go on any fucking you go on Letterboxd, go on that page, look at the 10 most popular reviews. I guarantee 8 out of 10 are going to say they did it. They finally did it. They earned their cinematic universe. I, I Ten see years yeah. building in this. And I've been noticing people are doing their 10-year uh, anniversary rewatch of Iron Man just to see how far we've come. And they'll say we. Uh, ah, yeah. We've well, come. They, they all have producer credits on that. That was crowdfunded. Yeah, I remember that. That was Indiegogo by John Favara. 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 Yeah. Well, I got, I, got, I got news for you. Okay. I got I I got some I got you know who, you know who also has hot takes and is a director of movies. Um, Nick Papalopoulos, <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Ooh shit! What's he getting into? Martin Martin Scorsese. He hates Rotten Tomatoes still. Nice. He says it's devaluing cinema. Uh, nice. this is like if you just type in Martin Scorsese Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this is this have came up in the last day or two. People are picking it up. He was receiving some award. It doesn't matter. He gets awards probably all the time, but he decided that was the time to rip a strip out of uh, RT. Um, let's see here. So his issue with it in general is uh, by giving off the impression that every film is meant to be instantly judged before viewers have time to see it and think about it. Um, he says the horrible idea that they reinforce is that every picture, every image is there to be instantly judged and dismissed without giving audience time to see it, mm-hmm. time to see it, uh, maybe ruminate, maybe make a decision for themselves. So the great 20th century art form, the American art form is reduced to content. Scorsese mm-hmm. said the word content poses a large problem in the industry as it groups together different kinds of media that really have no commonalities with each other. The filmmaker lamented the fact that movies now are lumped together with television, trailers, and more. <laughs> All movie nice. images are lumped together. You've got a picture, you've got a TV episode, a new trailer, you've got a how-to video on a coffee maker, you've got a Super Bowl commercial, you've got Lawrence of Arabia. It's all the same. Viewers can turn a picture off and go straight to the next piece of content, and there's no sense of value tied to a given movie. Of course, it can be sampled in bits and pieces and just forgotten. You know the difference between a YouTube video and the great American art form, Scorsese concluded? You react against the devaluation of cinema and movies by showing up. Um, wow. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, he unloaded. Yeah, I don't know. Some Mager Bajage. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't disagree. Like, I don't know. Rotten Tomatoes is a weird th- entity. Um, you know what? I was going to talk about this next week about this Infinity War stuff. About how, like, I, I already know how it ends and all that. And I think it's really dumb and really lame. But if you want to be a pretentious podcaster you could argue that it is the culture of media and content that is causing such hate hate hatred of me and you know it's this world that they've built 
where it's like all these post credit scenes. It's like, ooh, what's going to happen next? And they're like building off of these things. Like, there's no no wonder they have to do that cop out ending that they do. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's stupid. It's fucking. It's stupid. They think their fans are stupid. And uh, I don't know what's worse, that fans believe it or that Marvel knows their fans will believe it. So they like spout this fucking garbage to them. Maybe it's part of the culture, this Rotten Tomatoes, where they have these like countdowns to like the Rotten Tomato rating. Well, that was uh, Justice League, uh, which is, of course, uh, Rotten Tomatoes being owned by Warner Brothers, who also Mm -hmm. produced Justice League. It It was a little like, hmm. That's weird that they decided to release that information in a completely different way than every other big movie ever. Yeah. Um, it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah it's I do, a little weird. I do agree with Marty. Did you hear uh, everyone's going after James Cameron this week? About what? Uh, he said that he thinks uh, Marvel is stupid and he wanted he wants the Avengers to fail. Like, as a movie. Uh, that's he, not like, what he before, said, because I read the story. Mr. Well, RJ. he was like, it's time for new. He's like, I think comic book movies or superheroes are done. I think he's it's saying, for new I, I think he's waiting. He's saying he's waiting for the superhero thing to phase out because it's time for new yeah. stories. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I think is funny for a number of reasons. From the guy who's going to make eight of the same movie in a row. Like, I think that's a little bit funny, but well, people are going after him. It's like uh, Infinity War just handed James Cameron a big L. I saw that three times today on the internet. I think my problem with these Marvel movies is that it empowers people in the worst way possible because they think that because they like a movie that they're like winning. They're they're, they're part of like some like sort of like moment. They're like, yeah, fucking yeah. I mean, these movies are fucking populist shit. And uh, it's like, you know, you're the president that you all complain about and hate on. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the same thing. There's no difference yep. between Donald Trump and Marvel movies to me. And, but people will be like, you're oh, no, there's a, but there's no there's big difference there. And I'm like, no, fuck off. It's like, it's just, if, if you're complaining about that and you're celebrating this to me, I'm like, yep. it's the same fucking ballpark. So whatever. Yeah, you heard it here first. Strong politics. <laughs> Jared said Marvel has dragon energy and uh, they're <laughs> winning. Uh, well, I mean that movie just made whatever like it's already made eight thousand billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know, just keep going and making more money. Um, yep. You know, whatever. Whatever. And one day it, it'll all be this weird. Hey, remember when we were all into these movies? And there'll be those think pieces. Yeah. And we'll be like, remember when we all lost our minds and thought this was a good movie just because like it's it was fine. It was just like adequate. Remember when we were like, this is like a big deal and we were all going to the same thing in a way that we've never done before and all of like filmed them. Well, I wouldn't say never. Don't you remember when a uh, Salo came out in theaters and people were rushing out to watch it? When those, the, the two directors were killed by their gay lovers in the streets mm-hmm. of Italy. Yeah, I remember there you that. Go. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Possum. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it for news and thoughts sure. and anger and discomfort, frustration. Sure. We got a movie to talk about after the break. Uh, we're going to go to Russia and rule and get down. Come on. 
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about The Scarlet Empress from 1934, directed by Joseph von Sternberg. The tagline for the film, The Reigning Beauty of the Screen. <laughs> and the synopsis here from Letterboxd. Hopefully it's better than the Puppet Master 1 description. Oh, God. During the 18th century, German noblewoman Sophia Frederica, who would later become Catherine the Great, travels to Moscow to marry the dim-witted Grand Duke Peter, the heir to the Russian throne. Their arranged marriage proves to be loveless, and Catherine takes many lovers, including the handsome Count Alexei, and bears a son. When the unstable Peter eventually ascends to the throne, Catherine plots to oust him from power. So, um, I actually watched this not that long ago, about two years ago. So, so several months before yeah. we actually started doing this podcast, um, it was kind of me going through these like 30s pre-code movies. And this is kind of like a highlight of it. It's part of the Criterion Collection. Um, I've not seen any other, like, even at this point, I hadn't seen any uh, of these Von Sternberg uh, movies. Uh, I've mm-hmm. seen not that many uh, Marlene Dietrich movies either. Yeah. Uh, this is their sixth collaboration. Uh, they made a total of seven movies together. And uh, as discussed just a couple of weeks ago or something like that, uh, Criterion is actually going to be putting out a box set of uh, all six of their Hollywood collaborations uh, in mm-hmm. new restorations, including this. Uh, it just doesn't include their first movie they made together, which was made still in Germany, uh, Blue Angel, which I've never actually seen before either. I think Kino's got the rights to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... My memories of this movie uh, and looking back to my original review of it was this movie has like a, like really amazing production values. It mm-hmm. looks great. Um, but other than that, like I just like it didn't connect with me at all, really. Like I, I didn't like I don't know anything about Catherine the Great. I remember doing the unit on like Russian history and uh, maybe junior high, which is a long yeah. time ago. Um, and it it's all like kind of 40 years those, for you, those, isn't it? Those czars and stuff like that and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all, uh, vague to me now, but, uh, yeah. so yeah, I, I went into this like, and this movie really drops you into the story. Like you're just like, Hey, the movie's going and there's a lot of intertitles that mm-hmm. are not super helpful. And they're, I kind of don't like them that much because there's a lot of them and it feels like there's, there'd be better ways to communicate this information. Um, mm-hmm. But it's kind of treated here as shorthand. And I mean, it's still 1934. This whole filmmaking technology thing is a, a work in progress. So I imagine that, uh, I mean, this is just the way that this movie delivers that information here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this movie just kind of lays down the, the groundworks of torture and mayhem that are uh, going down here in, uh, in Russia mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, I'd say it's probably my favorite part of the movie. Uh, Cause it's just like, Oh, there's just, there's some breasts here. And, and it reminds you, Oh yeah, this movie is uh, pre-code before they were uh, cracking down mm-hmm. on this sort of thing. But I'm still, still pretty striking. Um, yeah. So watching this movie just like two years later from initially watching it, it all mm-hmm. actually seems pretty vague to me. Like it wasn't like a super sharp memory other than I was kind of just okay with it, kind of indifferent. Mm-hmm. And on the rewatch, I'm pretty well the same way. I mean, the 
the biggest thing, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, I think the most memorable aspect of this movie is not uh, Marlene Dietrich. It is, in mm-hmm. fact, uh, Grand Duke Peter, played by uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Sam Joffe, uh, who I don't know if you remember uh, his role in uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, he's like, what, is he Gort? He's a scientist. He's a scientist in there. He, he's okay. in there, but um, yeah. Does I, he? Does he? Is he over the top in that too? No, 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 no. Nothing like this. Okay. Uh, yeah, like that was like my big note about him. Just like he basically plays this like a German silent film villain. Uh, mm-hmm. Like he has facials <laughs> and like te- teeth and nice uh, cell phone vibration. RJ, oh, um, sorry, and uh, he just. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Every every time he's on screen, I just like am, I smile too, right alongside him, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Even thinking about the movie now, I don't know. It's like nicely made. Like it's got this great swirling production and stuff like that. But it feels like <laughs> the scene to scene stuff, like the stuff that you would expect to like lead you into this movie and get you to care about like everybody, like all the stuff that you have seen now and you know how these movies would handle and you just might just be like, yeah, whatever. I don't really care about this, but at least I know where the story is going. Mm -hmm. A lot of that's not here. And I feel like this movie is mostly just concerned with like, uh, visual stuff actually, which actually makes it kind of unique and kind of interesting in its own right. And I'll, and I'll get mm-hmm. more into uh, my feelings of this movie greatly improved after I watched another movie uh, before recording today. But uh, hey, RJ, uh, what, what, what do you think of this Scarlet Empress? All right. Well, I guess just to get it out of the way, yeah, this movie's old. Uh, yeah, it's got good production and it looks very nice. There's some pretty stellar shots of things. Um, like even just like close up shots of people's faces look really well, not look well, look pretty good. Like there's some pretty nice shots where it's just like the girl's face and it's really well lit and all that. Uh, the production is super cool. You got all those wicked throne chairs that are like oh, that fucking sculpted out that of wood. Eagle, gigantic, eagle. crazy sculpture thing. Man. I think uh, the one guy has an even better one where it's like kind of like a demon snake, like in a hood. It's like super cool. So all that stuff is really good. Uh, and now that I have that out of the way, uh, this movie's kind of uninteresting, I think, for the most part. Um, because I think for a few reasons, like, I it feels a little disjointed. Like what you were saying, it kind of just goes for visual stuff, which isn't bad. Like, I like that. But I don't think this movie flows very well together. Like, it's not hard to follow. Like, I knew what was happening the whole time. Yeah. But... I, everything just seems so like cut in like you'll you'll have a scene and then it'll cut to a huge text scene where it's like and it's like years later yes we're here at this place now this is what's happening and then it'll be a totally different scene and you're like okay that's fine but you'll have scenes like that that'll cut to like this uh like footage of just horses running and there's like so many horse montages in this where you'll have people talking and then it'll cut to like a hundred people on horses just running around. And I feel like it does that stuff too much to the, to fault where I, I, it's like I said, it wasn't hard to follow. I just felt like it, it didn't flow very well. Like it was disjointed, I guess. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> these things, they don't like, it's like, uh, things that are pieced together that don't, they didn't really have a bridge for these things. It's like, here you go. Here's this other p- piece. And like, I get it. 
It's a movie that was made in like 1932. They did a good enough job with it. It's like an hour and 45 minutes long. And like there, they, there's some pretty stellar stuff in it. Like, like I was saying, all the sets and things like that. But I thought for the most part, it was just kind of too herky jerky in like where it was going. Like one really good example of that is you get the intro where you're introduced to like these characters kind of and then it like cuts to like torture scenes mm-hmm. where it's like people on like wheels and like a guy who is like the uh the ball part of a bell just getting yeah. like like dinged in the bell and mm-hmm. i was like whoa like where did all this stuff come from right and then and then it cuts back to like the russian like escort guy and mm-hmm. he's like here here are these furs you'll what, need them it's what cold. a what a hound dog he is too oh that guy drops some lines like uh this is a direct quote. Uh, don't excite me with your beautiful eyes. And then a second later, he says, I told you not to look at me where, and then he advances on her, uh, which is, I guess how you get a girlfriend. I don't know. Um, but, uh, like, that's what I mean. Like you had that scene cut into that scene and then into a different scene. And you're just like, man, this thing's all over the place. Uh, but the Archduke or whatever the czar is, that guy's super cool. Cause he's like so gross and just expressive. And he's got like bug eyes and a bowl cut. And he's always walking around with like his lips and teeth out. He's just like, <laughs> it's like, I guess, was he a real guy? That's pretty yeah, funny. If he that, was that, like, this, well, I mean, this is like based on historical fact. And there was indeed yeah. a uh, grand Duke Peter, uh, and, and mm-hmm. Catherine the great did indeed marry him until then she took power. And became this yeah. beloved folk hero with with legendarily uh, insatiable sexual appetite. Where mm-hmm. there was like a legend, uh, and this goes to the whole thing with the horses. Uh, there was a long period of time uh, where the legend is that she died at the age of sixty seven while being mounted by a horse that she brought into her bedroom. How accurate is that? It's not. Uh, she died of a of a stroke. Um, but oh. the story was like, well, what caused the stroke? Like that is like legit, oh. like a thing that's like because she she just needed horse cock. Hmm. I I wonder who started that speculation. Uh, probably people <laughs> who uh, wanted to like destroy her historically. Yeah. Like I, 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 I they're, they're, Yeah, because that was like 1700s, I guess. So yeah. uh, yeah. Who knows? It's all. It's like Rasputin. Like there's all well, sorts of gross. like crazy stuff. It's it is what it is. Rj. Yeah. You can't judge. You know, and I, I hope in like 30 years when you're long dead that uh, peop, uh, I'm still around to start these rumors. You know how he really died. <laughs> you know what really s- caused that stroke. But uh, no, I don't know. Like, so in terms of the Russian historical epics that we've watched, I think this one's at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, even though I didn't really like Andrew Rublev, I think it had more craft to it. And uh, what was it, Andre Tarkovsky or not? Tar- what was the other ones we watched? No, you're thinking of Alexander Nevsky. Was the that's, Ale- so, yeah. so, so that's the that's Tark- the good that, one. That's the good one. Yeah, that's like yeah. The, the Eisenstein. Yeah, there's like the eyes. Well, that's like the Eisenstein. The Eisenstein's yeah. like yeah, the Ivan the Terribles. Like which this like totally yeah. put me in the mind of. Um, yeah, yeah, because like the same. I'm not it's even sure. Russian like, historical. Yeah, Russian historical epic. stuff. Uh, and at least like both these movies, uh, like I'd say 
between the terrible uh, Ivan the Terribles and uh, mm-hmm. this, like they they nail that uh, Byzantine look. Like the production oh, yeah. and scale of these movies are amazing. And I've got a, a movie I'll have to talk about uh, afterwards that I watched that like really put things into context of like how bland movies could actually be, and kind of like how why people talk about this movie in high regard, even though like I'm totally still on the same page with you that like narratively, I think this is kind of uh, not an interesting movie, I would say at least to me. Mm-hmm. And I guess to you as well. Um, yeah. There's just like these moments that are kind of neat, but like on the whole, like even at an hour, 44 minutes, I'm pretty sure that I, I checked the time on this, like the same time at the exact same moments, almost as the first second time. Cause I was like, Oh good. There's only 20 minutes left. Oh good. There's like, I remember that vividly kind of being like, Oh great. Yeah. It's, it's about to wrap up. But I was just like kind of checked out at that point. Like not really. Yeah engaged with this type of story. And like I said, I don't, I don't know anything of, of the story and nothing about the movie draw brought me into the caring about any of the characters. They all seem very mm-hmm. like formulaic kind of players in like historical royalty stories. Yeah. 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 I'm with you dog. Uh, yeah. So, Hey, I, I, I one of the questions I got here, I wrote out mm-hmm. was RJ, how do you feel about accents? As in like when someone plays German, should they be English British? if they are English or should they adopt a stupid German accent if you're making like a English mm. production or, or just have everyone speak in their uh, actual, get people who speak in the native languages and subtitle it, which makes your movie less marketable. It's hard to say. Um, I guess you could go like last week when we were talking about Con Air, you know how Nick Cage has that accent? Yeah. I think that's about the right level that you want. So I guess do the accent. But I, <laughs> no, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you could get that, people, see, that's like, so that's, that's a different thing though. Cause that's like, that, cause but... Southern people speak English. That's right. just, that's an accent. Like, that's just like accented English, but not like if you speak a completely different language, but you're like, I'm going to speak in a German accent. It's like, oh yeah. man, people shouldn't do that. It just, it sounds dumb. It's like, why not just like, I think in Valkyrie, uh, the Tom Cruise movie, it's like everyone just mm-hmm. is like English and they're all German and it's fine. And it's like, that's good. Um, you don't need to go in the other direction uh, of like comedy impersonations because now it's like it's another yeah. it's another thing the actor has to figure out and sometimes in these movies it's like inconsistent and so with this they they don't no one's trying to talk like a russian or mm-hmm. a german they're just being themselves and we get it because movies aren't real they're they can be stylized and what do you mean movies aren't real <laughs> um like like unlike infinity whatever um anyway yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, we get like, so one of the things is like, so the movie opens up with young, young Catherine the Great, uh, young Sophia. She's a kid and it's just mm-hmm. like her being told stories. And then there's all these tales of torture happening in Russia. And then she's growing up and now she's been married off in an arranged deal uh, to this guy that she's never met. And the guy who picks her up, she's got eyes for him and he's got eyes for her. And they just were told, oh, hey, we've fallen in love on this several week coach trip back to Russia. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, I don't buy that, but whatever. That's how movies can sometimes work. Um, and yeah, my complaint at this point early on even is like all the expository text titles in this movie. There are mm-hmm. a lot. And it's very... Like, I mean, it's also like we're not that far removed from the silent era. So I kind of get that 
the thinking at this time was still like you had to like walk your audience through everything. Um, in 1932, 34. 34? Yeah. I guess. I mean, they're still oh, doing it now. So. Well, like this, to this degree, where you have giant blocks of text every five <laughs> minutes explaining things? No, I don't think so. We have, I think that's no, how the Marvel movies do it. Uh, no, because words are bad. They've learned that people actually don't read. They want things in voiceover. Oh. Uh, and that's all. I, and that, I mean, that really, I was thinking of like the Lord of the Rings movies. Like the, mm-hmm. you have like... If you get the female voice telling the whole story and uh, you just have visuals of it. It's just ex- exposition, but not in a time consuming thing where people have to read it because it totally slows movies down because those things have to sit on the screen for a very long time as people read through things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, here's my note of being reminded of the Eisenstein films. Uh, and yeah, I mean, both these movies, I think, capture the the look of uh I guess seventeen, like what, eighteenth-century Russia? Well, I guess to my eyes, of a person that's never traveled uh, to that continent. Well, I've been to eighteenth-century Russia, and it's pretty right. close. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, it's it's pretty close. There was more geese. Yeah, but you know, whatever. What are you gonna do? Um, so at this point, uh, up until they get to the the crazy throne room. When you first mm-hmm. see that, I was like, why did I have this note about the production, like, and like the visuals and stuff like that? Like, I was like, what, like, where is this in the movie? And then they get there to the throne room stuff. And it's like, holy crap, look at that gigantic throne. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this stuff's nuts. And then you get all these like life-size sculpted men pulling things and closing things. And like, there's times where like, there's like, when there's no figures, like there's no humans in the frame, you're just like, oh, those are just like, you know bookshelf sized guys but then you see mm-hmm. people walking amongst them and you're like those are massive like th- just the the amount of effort and time put into these things and there's like they're grotesque and they're all over the place doing yeah. in the backgrounds and you're like man that's just like so, such effortless background detail that you don't get these days um but yeah it really always like i think my comment too back with the eisenstein stuff especially the uh, ivan the terrible movies was that mm-hmm. uh i always found that like that kind of Byzantine Russian look is so alien and it's also why like the Russian mm-hmm. history is so kind of odd to like watch in movies because it's like I feel like I'm always missing something and it's interesting because this movie yeah. is American at the end of the day made by Europeans um, doing a story about Russia so it's just kind of like all these degrees of removal and I think mm-hmm. maybe it probably in 1934 people were far more familiar with the Catherine the Great story than uh, uh, you are when you're in your mid 30s living in Canada I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this is one of Canada's most beloved <laughs> historical events. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like. I think people know the name Catherine the Great, but I always assumed it was some kind of like English queen. Am I thinking of Queen Elizabeth? Oh, yeah, you're thinking of the second. The, yeah, well, there was an Elizabeth, and then there was an Elizabeth the second. Yeah. So, anyways, I think that's what I had assumed it was. But going into this, I had no idea what it was anyways. Right. And then about 20 minutes in, I was like, oh, this is Russia. This is history. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm giving myself 20 minutes. You might think it took you that long. Yeah, it did. Because <laughs> you're, you're waiting for the movie to tell you this stuff. Yeah. I was waiting. Yeah, I was waiting for the, uh, the text, the fourth or fifth text bubble by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the guy with the sables giving out gloves and coats. Mm-hmm. I thought that scene was really funny where he's like, here, it's a coat. You'll yeah. need it. Here are some gloves. Yeah. You'll need these too. Here's a water bottle for you, you old lady. 
yeah, and so I mean, a big chunk of this movie is like about the wedding night as well. We get like the wedding. Yep. We get the wedding reception where we get like a, mm-hmm. a fucking skeleton at the dinner table, which is mm-hmm. like I'm like oh that's crazy. And I'm sure that they threw that in for some reason because it probably actually was there or something like yeah. that. Because it's like I don't know. You don't just go yeah. There's definitely like a, a human remains there. Uh, mm-hmm. You have these shots passing back and forth as you build the tension of the wedding night and consummation. Ew. <laughs> a weird word for you to say ever uh and then yeah i don't know my note here is my indifference to the telling of this movie remains the same two years later um i kind of thought that maybe in a uh, world where i just spent like 10 days watching charles band movies that i'd be hungry for some some real movies some real um academically minded uh, artfully made sort of cinema i'd be like oh wowed over by it and like i've learned a lot but no i feel the exact same way so i guess i haven't grown at all as a person in two years mm-hmm. i'm just running around like an animal who you yeah i don't think you've ever grown ever no you've uh, always been a bad dude though yeah and i think really like the one of the last few shots in this movie that uh, i even think of is like the the horses going up those steps up the, mm-hmm. like just clattering up and down those up that up those wooden steps as uh Catherine stakes out her claim after she's finally fucked over old Grand Duke pervert voyeur uh mm-hmm. Pete uh and he's leering around and banging broads and drilling holes in walls to watch women through and uh all that all that good stuff he's the he's a, he's the the real creep of this movie Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the final shot of this movie is with her and a horse who apparently oh, she'll have sex oh. with one day. <laughs> no, do you think that, come on. A hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That was like intentional. You think they were doing that? For- yeah. Pre-code baby. They, they were real sly and weirdos back then. You. Yeah. This is a Jarrett pick, this movie. <laughs> yeah, this is some, up there with the Savos. Some real zoo, some real Mr. Mm-hmm. Hands action. That's real gross, dude. I don't yeah. like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, and uh, RJ, this movie was a box office failure. Oh, well, what was the 1930s box office like? Uh, not great. It wasn't a big deal. Apparently, audiences had tired of these uh, von Sternberg uh, Dietrich joints. They are just kind of mm-hmm. like, they're over it. And this movie was a little too weird, a little too artsy. Um, so... The thing I discovered uh, doing uh, one little pass of uh, the book Cult Movies by Danny Perry that I've mentioned before on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was reading this and he was kind of like, he loves this movie. And it seems like uh, film people who write essays, they like really like to sink their teeth into this movie and break down visuals and whatnot. He mentioned that in the same year, 1934, there was a British production called The Rise of Catherine the Great. Which I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder if I can find that. And mm-hmm. it turns out uh, Criterion actually put this movie out under their Eclipse collection by uh, director producer Alexander Corda. Uh, so I watched that. It stars, uh, oh my God, uh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. as uh, old Grand Duke Peter. And that movie really is generic and boring. And uh, you just like compare that movie to this, a few things pop out. So yeah. th- this movie was a success as far as like uh, audience reactions go. Um, like they they're really into it. But when you watch it, you're like, this is just like every 
period piece movie that's set in like ballrooms and th- throne rooms and people just dressed up. This movie could be in any country. They just say it's Russia, but mm-hmm. the costume and dress, it just looks like it's French. Like it looks like they just took out like uh, 18th century French clothing and they had the characters wearing them and just were standing around in like these like really great looking sets, but they're not like they have no character. They're completely generic. Um, mm-hmm. And the telling of the story, it f- completely focuses on the power struggle uh, between uh, Catherine and Peter. And Peter, like, the, the the playing of Peter is, like, totally different. He's kind of just, like, paranoid that, like, she's, like, uh, she doesn't really like him. And so on their wedding night, he's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm not even going to sleep with her. I'm going to go sleep with this other broad who's, like, opening her legs up for me. Ha <laughs> ha. He just does, he goes and does that instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets all hurt about it. And so she, it just turns into, like, almost like a, them trying to get, revenge on one another by saying that they're going to sleep with all these guys. And like the whole idea is that she slept with 14 dudes like in one night, but she didn't really, but she wants him to think that. And the movie just goes on and on and on. And it is so bland and like, like not interesting on in any way. Cause it's just like, it's a movie. Um, mm-hmm. So like in contrast, like Scarlet Empress, you're like you're thinking about like all the visual stuff, like the, the, the way the scenes are built and stuff like that. You're like, yeah, no, this movie's like, has a lot of time and effort poured into it. But at the end of the day, uh-huh. it's like, I'm still just not that interested in this story. Yeah. Um, and like, I'd say that I guess even the, the actual film craft in itself isn't that super interesting to me either. Cause there are other movies that I think do it uh, in a way that I find more intriguing than this. Like right. just like this movie, I feel like, yeah, like it's kind of like I've been reading, um, God, what was it? Someone on Twitter was mentioning how they watch like a variety of movies. And I think they like, uh-huh. they do a, they do a film podcast and they do teaching as well. And then they're critics and talking about how like Citizen Kane, the appeal of Citizen Kane and why it's position is like the greatest movie of all time. and has this big reputation is because it's a movie that's very teachable. Uh-huh. Um, like you can like point to elements of like any element of film, like sound or uh, composition, mise-en-scene, acting, script writing. And like that movie captures it really well in a very clear way. Um, and mm-hmm. I think like when you want to write about movies in a particular way or like have an idea of like the types of movies, people pick up on movies such as I think Scarlet Empress and they go, hey, I'm going to talk about movies in a, this sort of way. Even though I don't think mm-hmm. it's like watchable movies that you were like, oh man, I threw Scarlet Empress in tonight. I don't think anyone's doing that at all. Some, no one's binging Scarlet Empress. So, but but for some people, for, for the audience of people who are like who like to think about films in this particular way, this movie's totally up their alley, and they like to break, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll go back and like they will do a, an analysis of it. Um, and I guess like we we should be doing that maybe on a uh, uh, podcast uh, about Criterion Collection stuff. But that I, that was never our mission statement. Uh, that yeah. our, our, this is the whole thing is to go through this as if it were like a a film education. And I don't know. I I feel that this movie just kind of that's not what we're about, no. man. But but I did find it super valuable uh, to watch the rise of Catherine the Great. And watching like two movies coming out the exact same year about the same mm-hmm. story and just how completely different they are and just like how one is successful while not being like uh, a great film by any means. But like you compare it to another one where you're like, this is just like completely nothing. Like this movie is just mm-hmm. like no one, no one talks about this other than it came in fact that Scarlet Empress exists. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that's pretty cool that you watched that other one as well, and they I, I got these totally different kind of like totally different viewings out of them, I guess. Well, and like I said, like I had no idea this movie existed until I just like yeah. happened to read this, uh, and I was like, oh shit! And it, hey, it's on YouTube, so you can't can't beat that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, no, I was just gonna say, yeah, that's not what this podcast is about. If you go way back to uh post 400 blows when we got that super negative thing and the guy was all he could talk about how was you couldn't pronounce the names of things and i had never seen 400 blows before and i thought it it was bad it's like you know what guys if you want to like a film school podcast just go to film school you know bro it's yeah go pay 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 for your education don't tune into this 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 uh free podcast run by a couple of creeps dude well i mean you (laughs) usually know what you're talking about but i feel like my role is a genuine first watch for a lot of these which i think is a lot more relatable to people than some snooty dude you're the you're the joe lunch pail yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly but no i don't know uh i thought this movie was fine whatever uh since I've got the Danny Perry book open here, let me uh, read a, a tale that uh, Sam Jaffe, who played uh, the Grand Duke, had to share about uh, the 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 direct direction style of von Sternberg. Uh, he was a strange kind of director. He imposed himself upon his actors and technicians more than anybody with any individuality could stand. He had some brilliant men design the gargoyles and stairwells, and then he'd take out a pencil and fix up their drawings. If you had to fix one of those cuckoo clocks, he was there. He was always there. In fact, he shot the whole thing. He was always down on the floor, forgetting he had a cameraman getting paid by Paramount. He was a wonderful character, all right. We didn't get along at all because he allowed me no freedom to act. He tried to absorb me. As for Marlene, when she couldn't get the dialogue the way he wanted it, he'd have her raise her shirt a little, her skirt a little. That's the kind of treatment she was subjected to. So that was uh, some Weinsteining before Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's how you get a reaction out of me usually. RJ, take it on the shirts. podcast. So what's that cell phone rumbling about? Lift your shirt, buddy. Lift your shirt up a little bit. What's going on over there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this movie too, like it, it compresses like a decade of time and it just like, it's just so shorthand, so much shorthand uh, that mm-hmm. I don't think it's like going for historical accuracy even though like all these costumes and background stuff like i think that is supposed to be like oh they wouldn't have had that and this and this but then the story is just like who gives a shit so it, whatever <laughs> it's fine yeah yeah uh well rj we have a business to attend to which is who hates the scarlet empress uh any does anyone some people do don watson for instance i think drow Watson, uh, half a star. Ugh, I couldn't watch more than 30 minutes. I mean, it's pretty as all Sternberg films I've seen, but it just didn't do anything for me. I don't know what the biggest problem was, nor do I care to even contemplate it. I don't care enough. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're yelling at us for. Yeah. So mad. So angry. So people, uh, let's hear it. Let's open it. Dro Watson was indeed the name. Uh, Opulent film. Two stars. What's the deal with all the little gnomes? What? Yep. What gnomes? I don't know. What is this? <laughs> what, what 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 are we doing here? Uh, yeah. Michael May. Two stars. Couldn't finish it. 
It's an impressive spectacle, but is more a series of connected vignettes than a narrative, and I got really tired of Dietrich's playing wide-eyed and innocent. I could tell that she was eventually going to move away from that, but I got bored waiting. None of the characters feel genuine. They're just props in a diorama. Not um, not a crazy take or anything like that. No, but... I don't know. I, I I feel like this is the same thing every week, but it's like the problems people have about stuff, and it's very different from the problems I have on movies because usually when I have problems, they're very genuine and they're intelligent and things like that. But the problem yeah, people like have... Yeah, like 400 Blows being a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, that movie stinks. Oh, come on. It's boring and it smells like farts. No. Nope. Uh, I don't know. People are always just like, meh, meh, meh. Whatever. Who cares? None of this matters. We're all going to be dead. <laughs> That's right. You know? We're all going to turn to dust. Yeah. Any uh, any thoughts left here on the Scarlet Empress, RJ? No. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. It's not It's not an all-time banger. I'm not going to think about this tomorrow or ever again. Or ever again. So, whatever. There you go, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, after the break... RJ is going to get perforated by a horse. Ugh. Sick fuck. Ugh. I've never seen you looking so lovely as you did tonight. I've never seen you shine so bright. Seen so many men ask you if you wanted to dance. Looking for a little romance. Give out half a chance. I have never seen that dress you're wearing. All the highlights in your hair that catch your eye. I have been blind, lady. So RJ, to become king of Canada, would you would you forsake all your freedoms, all your individualities, and just become the king and do everything that's asked of you? All the parts of your role you have to give into. Would you would you be willing to do it all? Sleep your way to the top. Yep. Shit, I've been trying that for years. It never worked. <sighs> Sad. Sad. Yeah, it is. I thought I'd be in a way better place now. But we're not. You can email us at criteriaincreeps at gmail.com and tell us about the disappointment of your attempts at sleeping your way to the top uh, and seizing power and finally breaking away from the patriarchy, allegedly. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. <laughs> we're on Letterboxd. I'm Jarrett Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've got a Patreon as well. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Google Play? Yeah, we're on that too. Next week, RJ. Well, oh God. You, we, we've got three movies to cover next week. Three. And, and RJ, they're French comedies. We're going to be watching some movies Fuck. by this fella by the name of Jacques Tati. Some call him the French Charlie Chaplin. I never did. We got that. Monsieur Hulot's Holiday, Mon Uncle, and we got that playtime. 
I don't want. I'm not watching movies anymore. Don't you remember? <laughs> you're, you're retired. I'm done. Well, you gotta Forever. come. Well, you better come out of retirement. You got a week. Uh, you, I don't want to watch movies anymore, dude. I, I believe in you. No. <laughs> I'll bake cookies. We'll see. Okay. Well, good night, folks. Thanks for sticking this out with us. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Yeah.